podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. To 2-2 two, two, and we've still got more than half an hour to go and here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Go! Hello, welcome to another Touchy Gunas podcast. Um, it's your boy Dan Coos on hosting duty today. Um, I'm joined by Sean, Shabs, Dr. Lee. How you guys doing? Yo, 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 yo. What's going on? Good. All, all, all good, good in the hood. Yeah, man, it's nice. It's nice to record these pods, you know, off the back of a, a winning streak rather than a losing streak. I think this time last year, you know, my head was hot. I was burning. We'd gone over a month without a win. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a scary time this time last year. But it seems that, you know, uh, the tune and the tide has, has turned a little bit. Arsenal building up a little bit of a head of steam. Um, What's that? Three wins in a row in the league, and then I think it's seven games unbeaten in total. So you know, it's a, it's a bit of a feel-good factor around the club. I'm seeing rival fans tweet. Um, you know, I don't like when when these Arsenal fans are are, are um, bro. That that, that are was happy. that that was that was Sam Hockey, didn't it? Why, why yeah, is he vexed for, bro? Sam 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 the Hockey, Sam, Sam Walker, whatever the streets are calling him <laughs> these days. Yeah. His, uh, head, his, his head is hot, yeah. So you know, long may it continue. You got uncultured, bro. None of you watch anime, bro. You're butchering the name, fam. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what, what's it? What's it supposed to be, fam? It's called a Hokage, man. Okay. Uh, well, what is this, bro? Sam, <laughs> it's Sam, it's Sam the Hockage from here on out, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam, yeah. You know, no. Call him Summer Walker, still though. Sam, <laughs> Yeah, fuck, fuck Sam Walker and everything he stands for still, yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, so we, we beat Watford 1-0. Um, we gave some of the, the, the post-match reactions uh, on the Patreon piece. So if you haven't listened to that, make sure you go um, check it out. But, uh, Leroy, so we've not heard from you um, really about uh, that Watford game. So, you know, is there anything that really stood out to you about that game that you want to you wanna, want us to chat about right now? Um, I don't think much stood out. I think um, overall, that was a game that we really dominated the ball for the first time properly. Like, if you look at the possession that we had, I think um, they were kind of sitting back quite a lot and we had a lot of the ball. Um, that kind of game I thought would be more suited to Odegaard because I felt like even though we dominated, we really didn't have that cutting edge in the final third to really cut them open. Um, the quality was lacking in the final third, but Again, that defensive unit. I tell you what, they're looking. They're looking solid. They're looking solid, and it's really good. A lot of them are really, really. I mean, they've signed well. They've signed athletic, technical, versatile players, all really switched on, all communicating well, all fighting for each other. So um, that is a really good bedrock for us moving forward. Um, I want to shout out Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Fuck real one, but um, I'll shout out Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Just because he he, he he played well, to, he played well, he played really really well, really good at winning the ball, quick across the ground, showed some variety to his passing. Um, I thought he was personally one of the men in the match, along with Ben White. Um, so yeah, it was a good game. I can't complain. It was one of those that one nil didn't do us justice, which makes a bit of difference from our previous because when we win in one nil, we're usually scraping it, and I, I think we could have easily won. And I don't think anyone would have complained. So I can't complain about those type of performances. Um, and hopefully they're more to come. Yeah, fair play, fair play. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles um, as well, actually, because, you know, this season, he's finally been given the chance to, I guess, play in his preferred uh, position. You know, the summer window is ending in a kind of dramatic way for this guy, you know, going to Instagram, you know, putting up these stories. I just want to go where um, I'm going to, I'm going to play and where I'm wanted, that kind of thing. So it seemed that 
you know, he didn't really have much clarity about his role um, at the club, but he's played a few games now um, in centre mid. From my, in, in my opinion, I think he's done all right there in all the games. I don't think he's been, you know, um, particularly outstanding before the Watford game, and I don't think he's been particularly bad either. Um, so, Shabs, like, what do you make of this sort of remontada of Ainsley maitland um in centre mid? Because, you know, probably a year ago as well, um, he wasn't playing any minutes at right back or centre mid or, or left wing back or anything like that. Um, and it looked like his Arsenal career was pretty much over. So, yeah, what do you make of this like resurgence? Yeah, I think he's making a, a, a case for himself and um, credit to him. You know, people, I, I, my thing with, with him is that there's, there's one thing about where you fancy yourself at, but I've always said, like, all right, all of these coaches, of which he's played under quite a few now, if you think about it, none of them have fancied him in the centre of the park. So, <clears throat> you know, is, is, is this uh, like a pipe dream that, that he has? Is, is, is he not being realistic or whatnot and whatnot? And it looked like, yeah, he was, you know, on his way out in the summer. He's definitely frustrated at not being allowed to leave in the summer. Um, but it sounds like there's been some sort of compromise. And I think when he has come in or played there, he's played well. And he's played like um, in the centre of the park and then had like cameos. Well, he had one cameo when he came on and was kind of playing um, in, the, in, in the number 10. But I like him. Um, yeah, I probably still feel that there are um, limitations to, to his game. And, it, you know, I'm not talking about him as being an elite centre midfielder, but I think there's a lot that he actually does well. I just think for PMP it's quite hard to um, to beat him. What I really liked about him, especially against Watford, was how he um, he uses his body well. I think he's a player that uses his body really well. Um, he almost doesn't have to commit to making the tackle because what he does, he keeps up with players for pace and then he kind of um, uses his body to get in between the man and the ball and then it becomes quite awkward for the player um, in possession, I think he got a lot of recoveries um, the other day. I haven't checked the numbers really, but um, I just remember him winning a few in this manner. Um, I think, yeah, definitely there is something about him being or needing to be a bit more refined if we're talking about him uh, playing there long term, technically refined. But yeah, I think he done good stuff. He had good, um, he made good use of the ball when he had the ball. I think he worked well off the ball. I think, you know, I'd expect nothing less from from Ainsley, wherever he's being played, um, you know, there's never been any criticisms of his, of his game that I can recall about him being a slouch or, um, you know, not being mobile or not being athletic or anything. So I think he done that well. Um, I don't know about this. Uh, I think he had a good partnership with um, Sambi Bukonga in midfield the other day. I think they both played well and complimented um, each other, to be fair. And yeah, as Lee West said earlier as well, Ben White and Gabriel behind them as well um, are, are looking like a very, very solid base for our midfield players as well. So I think that was a part of it. There's going to be much tougher tests than Watford, though. Like, like much tougher tests than Watford. It's one thing if you can do this um, against Watford, but can he do this? Again? Like, is he going to be able to do this and be as effective playing against Liverpool if he does even keep his place in the side? Um, there's an argument, should he keep his place in the side? And that's something I'm keen to hear as well. Like, if Partey's back and fit after the international break, should he start alongside Partey or um, or, or not? And I, I suppose I wonder what people think about that. That's an interesting point that you raised there, man, because, um, you know, this was something that I suggested um, potentially um, earlier in the season, I think after the... Uh, Burnley game, um, where I wasn't necessarily too taken with Lokonga's performance, um, is just that I think what we're what we're missing um, really uh, alongside Partey is a defensive midfielder for me. Um, I think Partey, he's been brought in to be that sort of that thrust uh, in centre mid, um, and even when he plays with Xhaka, I think he's the one that plays the mo most, you know, probing passes, the ones that are more creative. Um, and he can be a bit of a ball winner himself. And I think in the games that he struggled is where he's having to do too much defensive work. Um, I'm not sure that his engine, even though he's got quite a good one, is equipped to to be the sort of out-and-out, box-to-box, um, and then also be the, the creative sort of hub in that double pivot. 
Um, so I suggested maybe playing Maitland Niles alongside him to just be that pure DM, not doesn't necessarily have the, the wide passing range. But as you said, you know, he's strong in a tackle, um, he's 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 good in his he's good in duels, and in terms of PMP, you can't really beat him one one on one. Um, so that's something that I would like to see. Um, I think against a team like Liverpool, where you know, you know they're gonna be, you know, up for it, they're gonna be you know, dual monsters, they're going to be munching, they're going to be there in a the tackle. You need your best two sort of dual um, capable centre mids in there to sort of try and counter that and, and come out on top. So, you know, um, Sean, let's get you involved in this conversation um, a little bit. Is there anything you want to add uh, to make the nails? Because and, and then afterwards, we can touch on some other um, individual performances. Yeah, no, I, I think I think both guys have made good points in terms of um, Ainsley. You know, we spoke on the instant reaction poll as well in terms of um, the issue with Ainsley has never really been a case of ability. You know, in, when you talk about technique or athleticism, it's always been to do with mentality, his, you know, concentration. Can you retain that focus? Um, and I think he has done this season as well. So when, whenever he's played, um, he's come on, he's, he's looked sharp. Um, so I'm, I'm happy for him, even though, um, you know, we, I have doubts over his, his level to play as a regular centre mid for us. Um, he's definitely a better option than an Elneny, for example, for a fourth choice. Um, and, I, and I think he's always just a good, versatile squad option to have around. Obviously, I know, you know, um, for him, he'd like to nail down a place week in, week out. But, you know, what's better? Is it, isn't it better to be a squad option at, um you know, at Arsenal where, you know, you'll still play a decent amount of games rather than starting centre midweek and week out for West Brom. So it's really just up to him what, what he wants. Um, and, I, and I think to, you know, the points that Leroy made in terms of, I, I agree, I think he's the best ball winner at the club. And, you know, Shab's talked about his um, his profile when he's, when he's approaching tackles as well. Ainsley is rarely ever someone who needs to dive in because he's never really panicking or he never needs to rush into situations because obviously he trusts his body He's um he's able to cover ground effortless, effortless, effortlessly and you know um you made a good point um going to Liverpool in a few weeks time um I think you know we got given the blueprint a couple of weeks ago and Brighton went there and they used Bissouma and Imwepu as a you know their pivot and believe me they caused Liverpool hella problems hella problems two massive dual monsters in the middle who were able to compete with anything Liverpool threw at them. So even though Liverpool had more quality, you know, Brighton's guys were able to stamp their authority on the game. They were able to create clear-cut chances because they weren't deficient. Um, they were able to win their duels. They were able to impose themselves on Liverpool at times as well. So that would be a decent blueprint to um, to maybe approach for in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, I, I've, I've been encouraged by what Ainsley's shown as well. So, um, yeah, props and hopefully you can continue it. You're on mute, Dan. Yeah, fair play, man. Um, yeah, so just a, a couple of other individual performances that I wanted to touch on. So um, Ben White, I think he got the, the man of the match um, from Sky Sports officially. Um, and for me, since that Brentford game, um, I think he's been very good. You know, I think he's quite unlucky to miss out on um, an England call-up, um, especially when you look at some of the names uh, that did get the call-up in Mings, Cody... Uh, and these guys who I think are just really around for vibes rather than um, their their ability, you know, because someone like Tyro Minks, um, he's not been cut, cutting the mustard at Aston Villa, um, was even dropped uh, for their last game because that's how poor um, he's 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 been this season. So, you know, I think he's he's quite lucky that he's left-footed because otherwise, you know, I don't think he'd be anywhere near um, the England squad. So, you know, Leroy, what do you make of um, Ben White's performances this season? Um, and and do you think he's he's gone some way to, I guess, being justifying that uh, that fifty million pound uh, that we spent on him? Um, so I'll get the negative bit out first. For me, fifty million is too much. I don't care. Like I I don't see him ever being a fifty million pound defender. I know people get on that feelings about the market, and I might be tight. Maybe it's the Ibo me. I don't know. But I don't like fees like that. The fees like that are excessive to me. Um, if you're 50 million or 50 million centre-back, I expect a gargantuan performance. I, I expect someone to come in and do borderline 8% of what Van Dijk was doing for Liverpool. Saying that, though, Ben White has been a very, very pleasant surprise. Um, now, at the beginning, I didn't see what he was offering on the ball that was particularly special. 
I feel like as he's getting more settled, he's doing a lot more. So we're seeing a lot coming from his dribbling and stepping out, which obviously when we're sort of passing around the back, that's a completely new facet to what we do. I mean, Gabriel used to do it from time to time, but now Ben White's doing it. What he's doing is forcing someone of the opposing team to step out and engage him. And that really, really creates problems. And it's really helping in terms of us actually being able to progress play. When, when we're really kind of stuck, when he steps out, someone will come and commit. He'll either take it past them or he's created a space, shoots it in, in between the lines, and then we're off again. Um, that's a really, really nice facet to his game, which I like because it really just spices things up for us. Um, he's been, and I think from day one, we could see he's a really intelligent defender. So he's interceptions, he intercepts a lot, he gets ahead of a lot. Um, and that's been a mainstay in his play from all of the games, including um, Brentford, to be fair. He just had a bad game in the air and in his physical duels. But the, the, in the last few games in particular, he's been actually quite good in his physical duels in terms of he's not really shut the challenge. He's done well in the air. Um, I mean, there is a part of me, obviously, because of the Saliba thing, which there's a sour taste in my mouth because of that. But if I look at him individually as a player and take away the £50 million fee, I think Ben White's done really well. Um, and I feel like he's been um, completely solid. I, I can't complain. I can't complain. He's done really well. And the fact that he's formed a really good um, uh, partnership with Gabriel, even though they're both quite front foot defenders, um, I think that 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 looks good moving forward. Because in the next few years, if they continue to build on that relationship, because I think Saliba and Arteta is something personal and I think he's going to be sold. Um, but in, if they build for the next few years, that's a real solid base because they're both young players as well, but then both have good mental qualities at the same time as their footballing qualities, if that makes sense. Yeah, fair play, man, fair play. And I think um, one thing to add is that I think Gabriel's really helping him out um, with his defending. So, you know, uh, when Ben White played that first game, it was Pablo Mari that I think he was alongside. And I don't think that that would... Um, encourage anyone's confidence you know especially when you're going up against someone like um Ivan Tony but you know the performance of Gabriel I think and how solid he's been because he's basically been imperious all season you know I think I saw the stats like 200 and something games um since he lost a game for Arsenal in the league you know I think that was actually against Liverpool you know so hopefully he, he's able to keep that that run going but um That's like 200 and something what did you say 200 something days Days. days. I thought you said yeah, games. Yeah. I was thinking, yeah, nah. yeah, I thought you said games as well. I was like, no, nah, that's that's not true. Nah, two, but, two, um, days. I think yeah. it's a uh, 14, 14 games in a row unbeaten for Gabriel. Um, so so that's that's a nice little nice little run um, that he's he's got it got uh, going. Four goals conceded in the last eight starts um, for Arsenal. So you know you can't really complain. And I feel like that whole back five unit, including Ramsdale. Tomiyasu, uh, Tierney, or Tavares when they've played, um, they've looked stiff. You know, they've looked uh, like they all enjoy the battle. They all enjoy um, the duel. Ramsdale comes and he claims stuff from crosses, claims stuff from corners. Uh, Tomiyasu heads everything like a head made of brick or something like that. Um, and Gabriel is just a he's just a rock there. So I'm quite encouraged by how that defense is looking. Um, I agree with Leroy that you know 50 mil. It's probably a bit too early to say that that fee is justified, but if he carries on playing like this for the next, you know, four, five, six seasons, then you know you, we won't be we won't really be hearing them um, too too many complaints. Um, you know, so other individual performance, next individual performance. I want to get on a bit of a downer, um, but we'll, we'll we'll start here and then we'll move on to the the younger guys who I think deserve a mention um, as well. So Abamyang. Right, he basically had a Watford shirt on, um, on on the weekend. Yeah, so he essentially cost us three goals single-handedly. Says the the poor touch um, for the the Saka one that's disallowed, um, which he probably should have controlled and slotted himself. Um, then there's a missed penalty, and then there's the Erdegaard uh, chance that he's he's clearly offside, and he he, he basically stops a. Uh, a confirmed goal from from going in and stops Odegaard getting some numbers on the board as well. And you see his reaction, you know, he wasn't too pleased about that um, either. So, you know, Shabs, um, Paul Day at the office for our captain. So are you are you worried about his form? Worried about, you know, how he's getting on this season or how are you feeling about Aubameyang generally? 
No, generally, I don't, I, I'm I'm not worried about him. I think his overall performance level has been much better, um, like much better this season. And you know, I've I've said this, and I've I've, I've been on here. I think the last time I was on here, I had to eat some humble pie because he was he was slapping it up, and I had some very harsh things to say about him at the start of the season, just on the dawn of the season as well. So I, I you know I had to eat up. I think overall his performance levels have been um, improved. I think in a lot of games. He has set the tone for us in terms of pressing. Definitely, he's really led the line and led the line effectively. Um, and I think he's been more involved in 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 play. Overall, it was just a particularly bad day at the office for him. Um, he looks awful when he has these days. To be honest with you, like looks absolutely awful. And um, yeah, like it, you know, it bothered me a bit. I think even even Saka's goal um, that was disallowed. Like you know, I kind of looked at him and thought, "Oh, but like, why didn't you? Like, why didn't you take it? Like, why didn't you take the chance? Like, why didn't you go for him? Because the ball came to him in the first instance, and I think he even could have had a moment to kind of get that under and 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 just lace it. But um, you know, he didn't. And yeah, he was just looking. He was just looking for Gazy and like a real calamity um, in that match on Sunday. Like, I'm not really sure what else to say about him. I just think it was bad. But I don't think. I, Someone posted some numbers um, today about forwards who um, have had low quality chances, who are underperforming, and low quality chances who are overperforming. And he treads the line, you know, um, evenly between both in terms of where he's placed in terms of that particular metric. Um, yeah, I still don't think we're creating very clear cut chances or high quality chances for him. I still think he, you know, he's had to work to kind of put put away what's come to him. I think it makes it all the more frustrating when he has a game like he did on Sunday, really, because you think, all right, actually, you've had a legit few chances to score and you haven't. Well, I will say, though, penalties, I don't know, man. Penalties are looking a bit fugazi for him. And, um, yeah, I'm not sure, especially where with like Laka on the pitch, for example, who does have a good record from the penalty spot. I'm not sure if he's still the man to um, take penalties for us going forward, if he should be our, our, our first pick or our preference. The only thing is that who else would I rather give it to on a more consistent basis in that starting eleven? bearing in mind that Lacazette's not necessarily a guaranteed start. He hasn't been. Um, also, I'll give it to you, but yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, bit, of a, a bit of a thing for me. Yeah, me. Because we can't have Foster at 38 years old. He is the oldest goalkeeper in the Premier League saving penalties like we we like we can't have things like this going on like not at the Emirates not at home not when your team needs a goal like we can't have these things going on and really he, I, I don't think it was a good pen I think he's made Foster look good there mm. yeah fair play man uh, yeah and I think it's a it's a techie one because for me I think your main striker should always be on pens um, unless they're like certified terrible at them um, just for numbers, just for confidence. I think, you know, it's important that that person um, is on pens because, you know, all this stuff about like Jorginho and stuff like that, where he takes pens for Chelsea and stuff, that's just, I'm not, I'm not really with that um, to be, to be fair. So, you know, it comes, it comes to the territory, um, but yeah, Aubameyang 100% needs to do, um, needs to do better. Shell, I invite you in on this, on this, on this bit of the conversation as well. So is there anything you want to add um, about Aubameyang and then straight after um, I'll let you just get cracking on uh, Smith Rowe, you know, and just uh, you can you can talk your heart out Yeah, yeah, not not, not much else to add um, that Shams didn't I think he, he, he's he been working a lot harder visibly he's been pressing from the front so um, don't want to be too, too overly critical of him in this game but yeah um, it, was a re- it was really a game a chance to fill his boots this game um, you know, so it's a bit unfortunate for him, and I, and I don't really know why it was like that. Do you know what I mean? It's not like he's been in a bad funk or a bad state. Um, so it's just a shame he, could, he couldn't convert because you know he's he's going to have to work a lot harder to get any sort of opportunity when we play Liverpool in a, in a couple of weeks. So let's just hope he's more clinical if he does get an opportunity that comes his way. So, um, but yeah, overall, um, generally I, I don't have much of an issue. It was just a it was just a really really bad day at the office for him where he was playing against us. So, um, so yeah, but. On ESL, boop, boop. my guy got the England call up. You know what the time. You know what the time is. So, um, ops. You know they're on red alert. 
see Foden come today, put his arm around my man. He know he knows what time it is. So you know, ballers recognize ballers. Um, what can I say? Three games in a row, bad. Um, four goals in all comps this season. Or is it five? It's five, isn't it? In all comps this season. So yeah. Listen, I just need my boy to stay fit. I can't lie. I just, I, I don't even want to say what's what's on my mind or speak anything bad into existence. I just need him to stay fit, um, keep working hard, and yeah, man, just keep delivering, bro. Because you know, our stocks are going to the moon, and you know, um, you know, he's he's been a bit less involved in build up play a bit to an extent this season, but he's been a, he's been a lot more efficient in his game. So, um, you know. And obviously, I know people are quick to make the comparisons with Ramsey when it comes to running into the box and, you know, getting on the end of things. And, that, and that's fine, obviously. But generally, they're different players. But, um, yeah, I just hope he can continue to be more decisive. You know, his dribbling numbers are going up a lot. He's averaging two and a half dribbles a game now. Let's see if we can get that up to three. Um, you know, so both him and Saka are carrying the ball a lot. Um, they're not naturally decisive players themselves. But as they're playing within that front four, both of them need to be. Um, so yeah, very very happy with my boy, and long may it continue. Yeah, for real, man. Um, Lira, I'll let you in on this as well. You know, Smith Road, that's one that we've been you know watching as a collective for for a number of years. Made his debut under Una Emery, uh, Europa League times. So how how do you feel now that it seems that he's you know sort of coming and fulfilling that potential that we all were sort of you know noticing was there but we weren't quite sure with the injuries and this that and the other so how do you feel now that you know he's come through the first team and he's he's, he's slapping it he's slapping goals do you know what i know uh some of you man have kids yeah but i don't but i know how you man feel in it that's all i can say when i watch emerald smith Rowe and saka play this is what must feel like to have kids fam because i'm watching yeah, these man, bro i'm watching these men when they do something, I, the smile on my face is it's incontrollable. Like, a lot of people, some people in our group chat don't I think that sentiment matters, yeah? The fact that these two have come through our academy, every goal they score, every assist they make, every dribble, every dribble they complete, every time they beat a player, it means more. It means more. It just, it just I feel it inside, man. I'm watching Emerald Smith-Rowe and Saka doing what they're doing, and particularly Smith-Rowe this season because he's performing out of his skin and he's really levelling up, it just it just fills me with a sense of pride in, in the Haylem boys. Um, and it, yeah, it's just it's great. It's great because the thing is, a lot of us have been on ESL for years um, and been on his ability. Um, when he broke through the first time from the youth team, we've seen it, um, but we've had concerns over his body. Interestingly, Obviously, everyone's probably seen his like um, Arteta a couple of weeks ago was saying he's changed some of his habits and the the um, more information came out about his diet. He wasn't eating well. Man was eating Chinese takeaway and all that every day, so that's why he's breaking down like Usman Dembele eating chicken nuggets every day. Um, so now he's cleaned up and he's becoming more robust in his body. Hopefully, he starts to get more trust in his body because he's always been an explosive player, even in the youth team, and that part of his game is it's a really important part of your game to transition to senior football so we're seeing I still think he's playing within himself though because what, what we said I think when he first broke through last season is don't believe in his wave that much um, and he kind of plays within himself because I still think there's a lot of levels for him to go and I feel like you know how Fabregas when he came into the team came into the team and was playing alongside Vieira and it wasn't for a good two three seasons where Fabregas started to think right now I am the best player in this team and then he just went up a level. He's like, I'm going to make things happen. And I can see a similar kind of, I'm not saying ESR is as good as Fabregas. Don't get me twisted. Don't get twisted. But I can see that same kind of thing when he realises, look, I'm one of the best three players in this team. I've got to make it happen. Now nah, you give me the ball. And he starts, I think it'll be that transition when sort of Aubameyang lacks it and the senior players start to move out. And you see ESR and Saka become 23 and 24. And they realise that they're the guys. End of story. They're the guys. You'll start to see him level up even more. So, I mean, I'm just happy to see a young player from Hairland who's one of our own thriving. Oh, it's just beautiful, man. Yeah, for real, man. For real. And I think, you know, with him and Saka as well, the way that they they both broken, seem to break broken through at the same time. Um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a proper joy to see, you know, and they, they're both uh, contributing. I think Saka is one of our better players um, against Watford, Cook, Danny Rose, um, for, for for almost a full 90 minutes. Um Rose had a disaster class performance. Um don't know how he escaped. 
um, a booking. So it's just, it is great to see that, you know, these these uh, academy products are performing and doing it um, at the top level. And obviously both of them in the um, England squad as well. So, you know, I'm hoping Smith Rowe gets some minutes, you know, they're playing San Marino and Albania. So, you know, hopefully Smith Rowe can, can stat pad some, some stats uh, against San Marino or something like that. And I can come around and, and do more shameless, uh, shameless propaganda as well. Um, so, you know, we're on, we're on this, we're on this run, um, and we're, we're winning games. Um, and I think there were two interviews that were done this past week, uh, one with Josh Cronkey and one with, uh, Mikel Arteta. So obviously we're on the international break. There's not, there's not much, uh, Arsenal, Arsenal-related football games coming up. Um, so I thought this would be a good opportunity to actually try and dissect um, some of the stuff that was covered in those two interviews as well. So I think well, let's let's start on Josh Kroenke because, um, you know, we've not really heard too much from this guy um, and the stuff that we have heard in the past has sort of come back to to bite him in the ass. Um, you know, the, the be excited memes um, and whatnot before signing um, Nicolas Pepe. Uh, but I, I I I don't I don't really know what to make of this interview, you know, because I'm not one for for words. Um, I'm not really too excited by anything that you know owners say. I think in in football, actions speak always speak way louder than than anything you say because you know we've we've been here in the past where Gazidis, uh, Wenger, the Cronkies before they talked they talked a good game, and then when it comes to delivering on the pitch. Um, we've not really seen it, but you know, let's 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 dissect a few things. So there's a few points that I um I thought were noteworthy from uh, this Cronky interview, um, and the first one. So I, 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 I assume you guys have all seen all seen it, but the first one I wanted to talk about um, was uh, the fact that he was quite bullish in um, saying that the club is not for sale, um, and he said that you know they they're basically insistent that the club will not be sold anytime soon. Um, and he even said that they received, you know, sort of many other bids. It's not just that Daniel Ek one from Spotify and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, Shabs, what do you what do you make of that? Like, is that is that surprising to you? Um, do you think he's telling the truth? Like, or do you think there's a number there that will make them um, make them consider and, and and put up? I think everything. I think it's a bit of both. I think everything has its price. Everything. Like, I think you know, there, there's no such thing as an offer too good to be. Um, true, like you know, someone could come in and, and 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 overpay for Arsenal, and they'd have to look at it and say, actually, you know what, this is actually too good to 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 be true. Their whole thing is making money, so you know they make money by taking the dividends out of the club. They make money from you know um, commercial deals and and whatnot, or they could make money from a big flip, from a big sale. So you know that that that's something which I think is true. Um, I also think it's true they're not in a position where they're actively looking to sell. I think that's true. You know, I think the the fact is that there's been lots of interest. There will continue to be loads of interest in Arsenal. Um, you know, uh, people have kind of attempted to, you know, pull things together to say, you know, we want the club, this is the money that we're putting down, so on and so on and so on. And to date, they've rejected all of them. So why is this different, you know? So, yeah, I, I kind of believe that. I kind of accept that. I believe it's where they are now. Um, Josh himself is said to be all of the all of the sound bites, all of the noise about him is that he's said to be a, a proper Arsenal fan. Um, you know, there has for me been a bit of a shift. Not that I'm saying it's good enough, but there has been a bit of a shift where, with the moment where he's become more visible, more hands-on than what things were like before, if you can recall. Um, he goes to the games. He's a present. He sounds to be like a present um, owner or present figure in charge. So there is something for me about him liking and probably genuinely being uh, a supporter of and, 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 and more connected to the club. So yeah, I believe both things are true. Mm. Yeah, fair play, fair play. Um, anything that you guys want to add um, to that, Sean, Leroy? Yeah, I feel like... Um... Obviously, they're they're on a big PR drive at the moment. Um, the Cronkies are very big on it, obviously, especially after what happened with the Super League stuff. Um, and obviously, there's there's been a visit. 
whatever you want to think of it, there has been a visible shift in terms of money spent. Now, you could say that's um, put down to, you know, once the value of an asset, um, your asset, you know, delves, you have to invest in it to drive, try and drive the value back up. So, you know, Arsenal bought a lot of young players now, a lot of under 23 young players. So they're trying to build up the asset value of the squad again. Um, but also, um, you know, this is sort of, Josh Kroenke's baby now, isn't it? So he's the one who's driving this vehicle. So before, obviously, it was his dad who, who, who had been in, who had obviously bought it, but it's very much Josh who's, who's driving it now. And, you know, um, people have made parallels with, you know, other young coaches um, in under their different franchises as well. So uh, I'm the proof will be in the pudding. It, it, it's hard to say at the moment. So, you know, we've been promised a lot before and, you know, um naturally there's there's a high level of skepticism so and i and i think rightly so so the proof the proof will be in the pudding i think you know it, it's been discussed that arsenal are maybe building a team for a couple of years you know liverpool are um have been referenced you know michael edwards is leaving um liverpool have a lot of players in their prime at the moment so and unfortunately for Liverpool, unlike, you know, for like City or Chelsea, Liverpool don't have, you know, an owner that's going to go and splash hundreds of millions on a rebuild. And they don't have a lot of saleable assets at the moment, especially in a post-COVID market where um, a lot of these European teams are broke. So they're going to have a tough rebuild. You know, Pep's already said he's going to be leaving within the next two seasons, Klopp possibly as well. So it might be a case that these guys are trying to position themselves into a position where, you know, in a couple of years they might be a threat um so so we'll see we'll see at the moment for me you know i'm still skeptical of the coach i'm still skeptical of the ownership you know um even though this this current run is is good um i still need to see a lot more you know I, i've seen two years of arteta that really scarred me and that didn't convince me so i need to see a lot more than this current run we're going on to to convince me that you know he's still the guy and you know that overall this project is is what it's what it's supposed to be so so let's see let's see um things are open for interpretation at the moment but um i'm open to it being good yeah fair play fair play um Levi, anything that you want to add um, um to that it's interesting really because um i think same way shab said i think if you come in they're valid or what two billion if someone comes in and offers them six billion they're biting your hand off <laughs> I mean, they're, they're saying all this, but there ain't no fools now. But it's interesting because what is he actually comes across really well in interviews. Um, obviously, I'm aware he's a good talker and I'm not about lip service and that. But when they actually go in and explain what's happening, they have a point. So if you only own like X percentage and you've got another man who you're beefing with who owns another percentage, you're not going to go and invest in the team and pushing the value up and then making his shares more more, more valuable. So it's going to cost you more to buy him out in the first place, isn't it? And since they came in at 2018, they have been relatively aggressive. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I, I can't lie. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, see how they... But what I would need to see from them is consistent investment. So don't just invest this summer 150 million and then just leave it at that. I need to see you complete the team. I need to see you are going to get that renewed forward line that we need because our, our strikers are aging. I need to see you go and get that sentiment or at least give them the money to do it. If Eddie and that want to go and spend it on bozos, that's up to them. But I actually want to see that back in from the club. But then also I want Levo, to see them... can I, can, I, yeah. can, I, can I just play devil's advocate though? Okay. Isn't that what they've done in terms of making the funds available pretty much for the last three summers? If you, if you think about what we we have spent, isn't it more a case of we have just spent the money so, like in, a, in such a horrible way? But are you saying the last three summers because they took over fully in 2018, so that would be the time I'm, I'm talking about. But I'm talking about before that when they were beefing Usmanov and stuff and they mm, were going yeah. only buying check. That's a different story. But, yeah, no, that's, yeah. I mean, the also, last three, yeah. yeah. But I also want to see um, them be a bit more ruthless. So, Arteta's still not convinced me. At the end of the day, we, we're still a team that, even though we've got a solid uh, backline now, we're still a team that struggles to create chances. Now, you could argue that we didn't have a line before. If we get the new personnel in the front end, he, he might be able to do it. Who knows? But I need to see them be um, a bit more hands-on and a bit more, maybe not ruthless, a bit more analytical in how they evaluate the people who, are, who have, have their hand on the reins. So if Edu or Arteta or none of them aren't cutting it, I don't want to see them just being silent, standing hands off. 
I need to see them being active. I need to see them pulling the plug when they need to pull the plug, getting someone in quickly, doing their work. Because at the end of the day, I don't expect them man to know about football, but I expect them man to know when it's going wrong and I expect them to actually sort it out quickly. So um, as long as they do that, make the funds available, then we can't complain about the owners. So we'll see what happens, man. Um, but I'm going to give it a benefit of doubt because when I look at, back at what is said in context, it actually makes sense why they haven't done what they did beforehand. And in the last three years, they've been relatively aggressive financially. Can I can I quickly add to that as well? Like because I, yeah, I agree with all the points really. I think we're being quite balanced and measured about them. Um, what I will say is that long time fan, there was a time where we used to complain about the club not being transparent, the club not being visible, no one from the top level ever coming out and and speaking. Arsene Wenger always being sent out to speak for us and having to toe the line. And there were times where you could tell there was a conflict with what Arsene Wenger was saying to what we all thought was happening. Um, but, you know, it was just like no one above him would ever come out and speak. Now, they're coming out and speaking. And I think this isn't the first interview or the first press coverage. I think the PR, you know, the PR game is, 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 is wicked. But it's been a few times where Josh himself has fronted up and, has made himself visible, whether you like it or not. So can we be critical? But is it fair of us to say... Absolutely, we can be critical, sorry. What I'd ask rather is, is it fair of us to um, to take a certain stance knowing that actually this is where we come from? Because this, to me, looks progressive. Like, whether I like it or not, it's progressive in terms of like we have owners now or an owner who's willing to front up and come and speak to the masses and say, this is what's going on or this is what the situation is. Like, is it a case of like, you know, we can't pick and choose? Mm. Yeah, because I think I think the, the transparency one, I think is interesting, right? Because I think fans only care about transparency when what they're seeing doesn't make sense. So they need someone to put words to it to show that, it makes sense, right? Because, you know, the Leicester guy, um, the original uh, Leicester owner, um, RIP to him, he wasn't, you know, speaking to the media every uh, so often, you know, um, and his son doesn't now either. Um, uh, what's his name? John Henry or whatever, the FSG guy was never really speaking to the media other than, you know, to put out some some tweets about, you know, what they're smoking at the Emirates, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, Abramovich literally never speaks to the media, right? He doesn't say a thing, you know, you don't hear from anyone really in the Chelsea hierarchy, but their fans and none of the fans of these clubs were really asking their owners to come out and say much and talk to them about, you know, the direction of the club, etc. Because I think those clubs, it's quite clear to everyone what, at what, especially at the time, what their goals were, what they were trying to achieve. You know, Leicester had all this investment in their um, infrastructure as a club, investment in the stadium, investment in the playing staff. They won a Premier League. Liverpool, you've seen what they're doing uh, with Klopp, with everyone like that. Chelsea, they've been they've been on crud for the past the best part of uh, twenty years. And I think when the club is quite clearly moving in a specific direction. No one actually wants to hear from the owners because, they're, as I said before, their actions are speaking for them. And I think the issue at Arsenal was it just seemed so directionless. It seemed, you know, there was a whole thing about, oh, what's the ambition of this club? Because they seem to just be happy, ticking over, getting fourth place. Um, and then and then eventually, you know, you saw that once we got to the end of Wenger's reign, people didn't really know what the hell was going on, you know. So... Whilst I do like the fact that they're talking, they're explaining things, I also just want them to, you know, just show the action on the pitch. So I don't really care what Josh Cornicke has to say, you know, for me. I just want us winning. I want us lifting trophies. I want us lifting the Premier League. I want to see, you know, Aubameyang lifting a trophy up there. And I want to see my boys kissing, kissing the silverware. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what I want to see. I don't care about conversation. I don't care about culture. I don't care about all of these things really so and I think that's what fans fans are about you know 
like everyone everyone like loves explanations and stuff, but really and truly, I just want to pam the opponent 3 0, go home, collect the three points, and, and dunk on the blood of my en enemies. You get what I'm saying? That's that's what I'm about, yeah. Um, so all of this I think is nice, um, but yeah, I just want action. Um, okay, so um, the next bit as well that I think is sort of an overlap between uh Kronke and Arteta interviews is that you know, they were he was very much um. Um, talking about, you know, he, he said when he sits down with Mikel, all he talked about was culture. You know, he wanted to build something on the foundations. And then in a Mikel Arteta interview, he's talking about, you know, Wenger quite a bit and how Wenger allowed them to, you know, understand um, what it really means to be at this football club. And he wanted to bring out that culture, you know. So they talked about putting Wenger's picture up at um, London Colney. The players are going through, they're high-fiving that on their way to, to training. And he said that when Arteta spoke to him, it wasn't really about, you know, oh, I want to sign this player, I want to do this, I want to do X, Y, Z. It was mainly about culture. So, you know, do you think that this, like, culture shift is something that we're really observing Um at Arsenal, and how important do you really think that this sort of like this shift in culture has been to, I guess, this this turnaround in form? Um, Sean, Leroy, Shams, anyone you can, anyone that you can answer that? Two minutes. I think nothing shifts culture more than um, like success on the pitch, honestly speaking. So, yeah, I think you know, I agree, there's needed to be a change of dynamic at Arsenal, absolutely. Um, Maybe we're seeing that on the pitch with some of the characters and the personalities and the types of players that have been brought in, but um, it's not just the culture shift on the pitch that's required at Arsenal. It's been like a whole culture shift, and that's you know from top down as well as bottom up, and that's what Leeway um, really touched on when he was speaking earlier on. Um, Dan, you've touched on it when you were just speaking about um, the owners and, you know, like what they say is one thing, but it's about what they do. Sean's touched on it many times during this conversation, but I know in other conversations that we've had as well. So if we're talking about real culture shift, um, for me, it's yet to be seen because we're, at the end of the day, it's about the results and, uh, you know, successes, cup competitions, league table finishes and whatnot. And it's been dismal in terms of where we finished for the last couple of years. Arteta's been here. You know, Arteta's 100 games deep. So we're not talking about, oh yeah, he's come and he's in, uh, changed the culture. That being said, it does take time. And I think there does have to be some recognition that it does take time. But um, like I say, on the pitch is just one thing. For me, the shifting of the culture needs to also be in the, um, exactly what Leroy said about being more analytical. So not necessarily the ruthlessness. It's about being analytical and decisive when you see that something's not working. I think that's where the real culture shift um, needs to be seen and felt from me, from my perspective, for what I want from Arsenal Football Club. Yeah, fair play, fair play. Um, Libra, anything you want to want to add to to that on, on the culture aspect? No, of, of no, no, I think Shab just covered it nicely, man. So, yeah, 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 fair play, fair play. Um, I think... Um, yeah, I think I think the culture thing is is interesting, right? Because to be you know a negative Nancy kind of kind of thing, you almost look at it as as they've cleared out the, I guess almost the the, the strong or the confrontational personalities, I would say, um, and I sort of have a little inkling that's maybe why you know we're not seeing Saliba play. Um, too much at, at Arsenal. That he seems that he's got, you know, a big personality. He's quite confident. You know, you look at the likes of Genduzi, Ozil, um, Socrates, and some of these guys who, you know, they basically got cleared out after after um, a certain amount of time at the club. Maitland Niles as well, someone who really wasn't able to find favour until recently. And it seems that, you know, we sort of, we got we got a few yes-men, you know, and that's one of the benefits of signing uh, younger players. They don't have much experience. Um, they've not they've not really won things. They're, they're, they're more like sponge-like in the way that they absorb information, you know. Um, and it's quite interesting to hear Arteta's comments around certain players, you know, when he's talking about Maynard Niles recently. He said his whole outlook's changed. 
You know, he's he's asking questions. He's he's responding. He's a really clever, clever guy. Whereas, you know, a year ago, I don't think he said anything um, as glowing about maintenance now um, like that. So, you know, I do find it interesting, this whole culture aspect, um, whether or not that that is the case. I do feel with players like Ramsdale, where they do have, you know, that sort of that electric personality, that that charisma that seems to get fans on side. Um, Tomiyasu, uh, I don't think he said much, but in the way that he plays, um, Gabriel as well, quite similar, the, the bombastic nature and where they play, um, that, that can help the culture as well. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it's, it's definitely one to watch, definitely one to watch and one I'm, uh, I remain um, sceptical uh, skeptical about. Um, one other thing that Josh Kroenke mentioned that I think is quite important is the desire to uh, win win trophies again. Um, so Jeff Jeff Shreves, he sort of put a question to him like, um, you know, how hard is it to try and compete against all these clubs? You know, your your uh, Manchester Cities, your Manchester Uniteds, your Chelseas, when they've got such big resources. And uh, Kroenke sort of clapped back and said, you know, we've got we've got big resources as well. Um, you know, and he says that he want they want to be really aggressive. Um, in the transfer market as they have been um, in recent years and, and bring Arsenal back to, to to lifting the big trophies and competing for the Premier League. So, you know, Sean, what do you make of what do you make of this? And do you think, you know, this is, again, um, just chat or do you think that they plan to, you know, put their money where their mouth is and try and compete with, with some of these other, other clubs? Like I said, the, 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 pr- the proof will be in the pudding. Um I think Leroy's mentioned before, obviously, I think we were, one of the things about Arteta is that even though he can be critical of him, I think he did force the ball to spend. And, you know, we've gone for a period where we did need change anyway. We needed a lot of new players. And so we've now brought in a lot of new players so we can obviously assess them over a period of time. And obviously if they prove to be successful, that then sort of makes our job a lot easier in terms of what we need to do to complete the team. Um, and, you know, Josh said it was interesting, actually, I thought in the interview that they didn't complete all of the business in the summer, which is which is a very interesting point. So hopefully, um, you know, the business when we're talking about completing the business is, you know, now moving to the forward line as well and, and making those differences because Arteta actually hasn't bought many. He hasn't bought any forwards since he's been at the club. Um, so I'm interested to see what his taste in forwards will be like when it eventually comes to that period. Um, and also, even though I've been critical of him offensively, you know, unfortunately, he's been tied into what we have. You know, uh, the club spent over 200 million on Arteta, Pepe and Lacazette all before he walked into the club. Do you know what I mean? So he's kind of been hamstrung with what he has. Um, obviously, Lacazette's contract is out at the end of the season. Um, come the summer, Aubameyang will only have a year left on his deal. And he's obviously shown that he has no faith in Pepe. Um, so it will be obviously now, hopefully, if if the other signings work out, um, the next stage of the process will be looking into signing, you know, like a wide forward, a striker that can really help to move the needle and make a difference for us offensively and help to make us hopefully a bit more potent offensively. So um, let's see. Let's see. Like I said, um, we'll judge them on what they do um, and what they see. I'm not expecting much in Jan, if I'm to be totally honest, but yeah. Next summer, if if they really agree, if they go out and spend another hundred and fifty mil, I don't think anyone will be complaining. To be fair, so mm. so yeah, let's see. Mm. Yeah, fingers crossed, man. Because I think you know, at this point, it's a uh, it's it's laughable. I think to think that you can basically get back to the top without you know getting some some serious funds um, from the owner, uh, getting a checkbook out. You got you know, I think West Ham today. That that new Czech billionaire just completed um, on on taking a a, a a major shareholding in West Ham. Um, Newcastle obviously got the strength of a whole nation behind them. Eddie Howe just appointed as their manager, so you know the the, the competitive landscape is only getting um, more and more competitive. You know, there's nowhere to go. Um, so you better you know you better put up or, or, or shut up basically and get out the get out the checkbook. Um, really, so you know, Leroy, I'll, I'll, I'll let you conclude um, on that bit. Um, basically, if, if there's anything you want to add on, you know, I guess the, the Cronky spending, um, how you feel they're, they're going to follow through on some of these promises, 
um, and then and then we'll wrap up uh, this week's pod. Um, well, I feel that it's got to the point where they have to because for years and years and years, Arsenal have been in a very privileged position where even we finish top four every every year. Well, first, even going back before then, we were top two and there was not really any competition. Then we were finishing top four every year and even they let us stagnate, even though we were just taking the money in every year, but there was no real serious competition. Now, the competition is serious, but where we are right now, we've fallen a very long way, but I dare I say it, and I don't want to jinx us, it's still salvageable. Because of the heritage that we have, because of what Baba Wenga has built, because of the, the we still have a little tiny bit of clout left, we can make, if we invest now, we can make it so we, we can actually get back and compete at the top, in my opinion. If we don't do that now, then the Newcastles of this world, the Aston Villas of this world, the, the other ambitious clubs of this world, even the West Ham's, who knows what this Czech billionaire is on, are going to take over us and we're going to literally set, sail into mediocrity. That's going to be the problem. Um, so I feel like they have to if they want to protect their investment because if they don't, Arsenal's going to be worthless to them and they're not going to be maximising their investment. So they really, really need to. So that's why I feel that they will invest. And my problem is not are they going to invest, is are they going to get the right people in to manage that investment? Now, saying that, I can't. you can't really fault what Edu has done, really, since he's come in, because even though we thought it was all of a stake at the beginning and in terms of this window, when he's committed significant resources to someone, the, 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 the signings have been all right. The signings have been decent. So... I mean, apart from his cancelling contracts, he's not been very good at sales, but we need to see um, how, how he does because I don't see him losing his job anytime soon because he hasn't really done much that's majorly wrong. So um, I don't, I think, in a nutshell, I think they'll invest, but it's how that investment is managed and how well we invest that's going to be the um, real proof to put into how we do over the next few years and if we can go back to the top. Yeah. Yeah, fair play, man. Um, fair play. I don't disagree with, with any of that. Um, really, so yeah, I'm gonna leave it there um, for this week. I don't know uh, if you lot saw uh, there was a Vengar film premiere for his his movie, the documentary coming out um, about him. Uh, that that premiere was yesterday. I think the film is in cinemas uh, on the 11th, um, but like limited limited uh, screenings or something like that. But I think you can buy it on um, Amazon and Apple TV and all of that stuff. So I think I might. Uh, cop, cop myself a cup, a, a couple copies because apparently um, it it's a lot juicier than um, than his book was. Um, but the book, the book was really disappointing. I can't lie to you. Like, yeah, that, I didn't even finish um, it. I can't like, I didn't. It was, it, 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 it wasn't good. Like, he just he didn't he didn't say anything. It was it wasn't revealing. Like, and I think obviously it's partly. And maybe this is a discussion for another day. Like, I you know I've been watching um like interviews from, you know, because Wenger's done a lot this week in terms of promotion. Like, Wenger's still visibly hurt about, like, the exit from Arsenal winning. So, um, and, you know, Arteta spoke about yesterday. He said he wants Wenger to be around the club more. And I don't think Wenger wants to be around the club at the moment. So, um, so yeah, that, that's probably going to be another space to watch in terms of to see how that develops and what goes on there. Um, but because it, it's a shame. It'd be nice to see him back in some sort of ambassadorial role, but... I don't know if that if that's what Wenger wants in it. So so we'll see. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd have him back in in that role. Get him get him to talk to all these young French prospects about you know how amazing Arsenal is and all of this stuff. You know, so that that might be good. But yeah, I'll definitely be watching that because apparently um, it's a bit more insightful into you know the later years of Wenger and he he, he talks a bit more candidly than he did um, in his book. So maybe maybe the next time we record, you know, we might have some. Uh, some some reviews uh, of of that documentary uh, lined up for you guys, but but yeah, thank you everyone for for listening. It's been another Touchy Gunas podcast. Shell uh, and Shabs, Leroy, thanks for joining me. Um, and otherwise, peace out. Peace. Yeah.
man could have had that fight. But I'm in walk on sight. Man had to grab that mic. You're not gonna spit this time. Trying to work with a oh, good energy. Man, you're gonna work with a bad man vibe. None of these guys can't do it. It's amazing. Like, it's our Ramsey. Man, take my shine. That's foul. Man, I'm That's the response of Arsenal. Man, the line. Score for my team in the time I play. Sports Social Podcast Network.